Hey guys, welcome back. This is Courtsahe, Courtsahe.com, and today we have a lot to discuss. Um, you can, I guess you could say on this one, it could be the good, the bad, and the ugly. I, I don't know. There's a lot of positive news. There's a lot of hyping up news. There's a lot of interesting news. I think, I think interesting would be the better word. But yeah, from the Suns to Clippers to CP3 to the Pacers to um Jason Kidd to everyone we are having some big moves being made the NBA finals are right around the corner because the conference finals are jam-packed between Bucks Hawks Suns Clippers and now we're just speculating each game but also going into NBA finals so without further ado Let's jump right into this. Okay, so we're back. I'm back from vacation. Got back. It's time to hit the podcast again. And what better way than to celebrate the Phoenix Suns' epic, epic um, uh, few games without Chris Paul. I'll jump. I'll jump into that in a few minutes. But first, I want to get into the breaking news. I want to get into stuff that has been shattering. The NBA world. Um, well, snooze can go. So, first up, we have the Celtics are finalizing an agreement to hire Brooklyn Nets assistant Udoka as the franchise's new head coach. Um, I don't know how to pronounce pronounce his name, but Ime Udoka. I sense how you pronounce the name. Apologies in advance if I botched the name severely. Yeah, I when when they I thought the hire was good. The hire caught me off guard because I wasn't expecting an assistant to be hired. I was out of the loop on that they had assistants going higher than Jason Kidd. But here's the thing: this is where truth be told. This is where um, they're putting Chauncey Billups up there. Who was it? I believe his assistant head coach for Detroit. I think so. Don't quote me on now. But yeah, but Emi Udoka is now going to be a Boston Celtic head coach. People have been raving. Experts have been raving that this is another great move for Brad Stevens as the new president of basketball operations. He traded away Campbell Walker to get back out Horford with our pieces, right? We saw that trade be broke down. And now we have a new head coach in this assistant. And many people could speculate or boo the fact that they did not hire a head coach, but assistant. But many head coaches, I mean, many head coaches that were great have been from assistant roles. Um, check out Phil Phil Jackson. He was assistant head coach. Um, okay, even Eric Spolstra. He was just a video guy. No, not much of an assistant, but imagine that. So great potential. It's gonna. I believe it's gonna be a few year deal. I want to say four years, but I'm not too sure. But what I am sure on sure is, and this one is very skeptic. This one's very confusing in my mind, but here we go. We have the Pacers hiring former Mavericks head coach Rick Carlisle. Rick Carlisle 
the former Mavericks is going to be signing a four-year, $29 million contract with within less than a week of him resigning, with him departing um, the Mavericks with two years left on his contract, he is going to the Indi- uh, to the Indiana Pacers, where, interestingly, I believe it was like 1997, he, for a few years during that range, he was assistant head coach. Then in the early 2000s, I want to say 2003, somewhere around there, he got the job to be, he got the he got the coaching job to be the head coach. Now he's come back full circle after um a little over a decade with the Mavericks, winning a championship with them in 2011. Now coming and coaching for the Pacers. This one does surprise me a little bit because you left the Mavericks for a reason. And like everybody's been saying, as it's been confirmed, where uh, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Mavericks, got too involved with Luka Doncic, got too involved with the team where Luka Doncic especially start, stopped listening to Rick Carlisle, where Luka Doncic was questioning him on court, in-game, different things like that. And Rick Carlisle's like, you know what, I'm just going to go somewhere else. So it's interesting but that has to say a lot when you go from a decent team to an okay team. Especially with all the teams out there. But that's where we'll be at on that end. So he signed a $29 million contract. I wasn't expecting him to get picked up that quick. I saw it was going to be in there a week or so. But now the Pacers and the Celtics or pulling out all the stops this week, pulling out all the stops to get head coaches. Um, next piece of news is the 2021 NBA Draft Lottery. So we're set. The picks are set. July 21st is going to be the NBA Draft. And listen to this. So if you guys weren't following on social media, and you didn't get to see the prediction odds, percentage odds of what these teams could have been for all the teams that didn't make it to the playoffs and whatnot. These were the teams that had the high percentage of getting the first overall pick. Houston, Detroit, and Oklahoma City. Excuse me. And look who we have. I'm going to read off the first four teams. Uh, just the first uh, I'll do the first five. I'll just do the first 10 and one not because we have one for 60. But, yeah, let's get into it. So, the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft is going to be the Detroit Pistons. That's solid for uh, Dwayne Casey and his team because now Detroit, after letting go Luke Kennard, Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, you need an art piece, right? You need to have... That's solid piece. And people are saying, how about Jalen Green? How about Chad Cummington? And that's going to be heavily speculated. And I'm going to be touching on those topics a lot. Why? Because it's June 24th. We only have a month left, um, 29 days left to the draft. And this is where teams can make or break it. Um, Number two, Houston. Uh, Steven Silas and his team is going to have a huge advantage, especially trying to build it around Christian Wood 
and potentially John Wall, depending on what they do with him, right? So, Houston Rockets also have a really good decision. This is going to be make or break for them. So, basically, just going to admit it, the first five, the first six teams are the teams that really do need these draft picks, right? And a lot of these teams got really good draft picks. I'm going to explain a bit, uh, just in shortly. But number, the third overall draft pick went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I believe it's still J.B. Bickerstaff. Yeah, so J.B. Bickerstaff and uh, Cleveland are taking the third overall uh, pick in that draft, which is huge because now you're still trying to um, shape it, still trying to put it around Colin Sexton, right? Who has played phenomenally uh, without Kevin Love, with or without um, all these different moving pieces, players going in and out, head drama, uh, just having a really bad team. But, but he's still on, and that's a, that's a player you want to build around. And that's going to be very interesting to see, right? Because now Cleveland has the opportunity to pick one of the top or any top player in that draft. And there's a lot flooding in, a lot still coming in, right? Okay, number four, the Toronto Raptors. They had the fourth overall pick. Uh, Nick Nurse-led team who has Fred Van Fleet. Um, and a few other players, I forgot their players, but mainly centered around Fred Van Fleet, who they signed to a contract extension last offseason. He's now getting a, he's getting a huge opportunity to land a huge piece after several good, after Serge Ibaka um, and Kawhi Leonard left your team over the past two, uh, about two free seasons, depending on how you want to count it. Right, number five, Orlando Magic. So just going to cut to chase real quick. The Orlando Magic have picks number five and eight. This is huge for the Maverick, uh, for the Magic. After giving up Evan Fournay, giving up Aaron Gordon, giving up all these different pieces, to rebuild, to rebuild a new team, to rebuild... Um, a whole new system with a whole new head coach. It's going to be interesting. They have two picks plus two second-round picks that they got for Evan Fournette, right? And, of course, when they traded with uh, Chicago and whatnot, they got the eighth overall pick. And I'm having to bring for who's, who's Chicago's team. Oh, man. It's good. It's good. Um... Okay, now it's going to join me saying, why am I having, like, an epic brain freeze? Why? Chicago, Chicago NBA team. Like, I for, who's Chicago's team? Oh, Chicago Bulls. Wow, that was epically uh, bad. I forgot about that team. I, I don't know why my brain had a brain freeze. Because it was going right to the Bears, but I knew that wasn't it. But yeah, disregard that. But in OKC, another team that needs pieces, right? They got the uh, sixth overall pick. That's going to be interesting who they pick, right? Because they've lost a lot of pieces. 
but he also improved on some pieces like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who got in the spotlight when Chris Paul was there. And I know another person who got in the spotlight, but it was mainly those two. Right, okay. Then the Golden State Warriors have the 7th and 14th pick. One, uh, The 7th pick came from Minnesota. 14th pick they always had. That's where they drew one on. But Golden State has two picks. If they keep both picks, um, they could get two new rookies. Steve Kerr was asked about this, how the veterans will feel about this, i.e. Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. Um, it was um, Steve Kerr said they would be excited. They know their no role would not. Like everything was really in a positive direction. What it was saying, of course, the coach is going to say it. Right? He's never say, "Well, I'm, Steph Curry just um, informed me not to." Right? He's never going to say that. Well, at least you wouldn't think so. But that's who Golden State has. And then Sacramento and New Orleans have 9 and 10, right? Sacramento 9, New Orleans 10. But we got some solid, solid things happening, right? Because, how do I want to put this? We're going to see Chad Cummington go in the first pick. We're going to see both Jalen's go. Uh, Jalen, I, I want to say Jalen, so I this guy's name. Um, Jalen Green, Jazz So I'm getting that right. Um, go within the first five picks. I've not studied this draft class a lot, as I did the last year with James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Lamelo Ball, Adobe Toppin, um, and different players like that. I'm gonna have to start getting back into knowledge because I I've seen them. I've seen highlights. I've seen people say talk stuff about them. But I just really have not focused in on that. That will come during or after the NBA Finals, right? Because right now I'm, I'm in drenched. I'm drenched in Phoenix Sun stuff, the NBA stuff, postseason. It, it's it's madness when you break it down, right? But I thought it was important to bring that up because that is a huge conversation to have because. This can make or break NBA franchises. And I know we were saying that about the Pelicans. I know we were saying about that with every team that got the first overall pick. Like the Timberwolves. Like whoever. But but that is that. Um, Last breaking news. I don't know if I discussed this. I forgot to check it off. So I probably didn't. Jason Kidd um, is the alleged front runner for the Mavericks job. Everybody's pointing back to him being the alleged head coach. People are rumoring it that he helped he helped the Mavericks win that 2011 title and he's hoping to be back as the head coach. Because the Celtics are out for him, the um, Pacers are out for him, he already discarded Trailblazers. So, it really starts to come down to the Mavericks and maybe to our teams. So, it, it gets interesting. It gets interesting. And now, it turns some more tables on us because what was going to happen to Mike Boonholzer may not happen for another one to two seasons. Why? Because he's somehow surviving this thanks to Giannis, Chris Middleton, and whatnot. But we'll get to those names in a little bit because we have everything to break down with the Bucks and Hawks, right? But... 
Jason Kidd is one of the frontrunners, if not the frontrunner, for the Mavericks job. And I would not be disappointed because I believe Jason Kidd can have an amazing connection, an amazing uh, relationship with Luke Doncic if they keep Kristaps Porzingis. But I'm suspecting they're going to trade him, like with Ben Simmons and whatnot, right? But they're going to, I believe, they're going to build a great team, especially depending on who they pick, right? So it's one of those things. If you get Jason Kidd, great, but if you don't, who else are you going to be getting? So for Jason Kidd, this is not his only option, but this is certainly one top ones up there. And I believe we should, I think we're going to be able to hear something about Jason Kidd in a franchise coming together, a mutual agreement. I would have to say next week, two weeks. Legit. Not even kidding. I believe it's going to be during or after the conference finals for Western and Eastern, right? But that's what I have to think. That's what I have to say on it because there's not much. Everyone's name's been floating floating around. That's just the nature of uh, coach searching, for trying to find a head coach, right? You're gonna pull twenty, the furry um head, excuse me, head coaching prospect, right? That's just gonna happen. That's how it works. Like what the Trailblazers are doing, and I don't know, Ch- Chauncey Billups could go to the Blazers. He's obviously being interviewed. So could Mike D'Antoni because he's getting subbed for a second interview, I believe, with the Blazers. If I recall it correctly. That came out a few days ago. But, yeah, here's the thing. I'm not going to be surprised if if we say, Jason Kidd, I bet you after today's episode, starting tomorrow, I'm not going to be surprised if Jason Kidd is going to be the Mavericks head coach. I'm betting that it's going to be him. And I don't know why I just got this burst of energy just to say he is. But that's going to be my bold Bold bet. That's going to be my bold prediction. And I'm not going to be short of that one bit. Because I truly believe that. Some good news. So, I'm going to talk about the Phoenix Suns. But real quick, I want to talk about Chris Paul. He's cleared a cardiac test. The cardio test. He's cleared the COVID protocols. The health and safety, safety protocols. And he is going to be back for game three for the Phoenix Suns. He is back. He's going to be in the starting lineup. The Suns and the NBA and everyone around them has confirmed this. That the Suns will have CP3. No doubt. 100% confirmed. Happened this morning. If you've not checked out the news yet, go check it out. But the world has been blown up with that news. It's rejoicing, it's great news, and it's something that we all should be excited for. And now we'll jump us right into Suns against Clippers. The your Phoenix Suns, our Phoenix Suns, are two and oh. Two and oh in the series against the Clippers. No CP free, no Kawhi. Game freeze happening in at six o'clock in a few hours. Right, we're gonna be seeing the we're gonna be seeing the Phoenix Suns going in LA 
hoping to get a free nothing stance. They'll allow the Phoenix Suns to try to close out the series within the next few games. People are getting excited. But let me tell you this. Game one was electric fine. Like, Devin Booker scored a 40-point triple-double out there. DeAndre Ayn was one short of a double-double, but still had 20 points. Mikel Bridges, Cameron Payne, Jay Crowder, everyone played their mind. Game one was theirs. It came down to the wire, no doubt. But then we just snatched it away 120 to 114. Yesterday, though, yesterday or two days ago, Tuesday, Tuesday, forgot this today was Thursday. Don't know how it's possible, but this is what I want to talk about the Andre Ains Valley Oop. Oh my, what a oh, you if you guys did not watch the game, you guys missed out on a classic B legendary game, not by. One player, but by the whole team. So we're going back and forth in the fourth quarter. We're getting down to five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, a minute. We're trying blows. Paul George keeps coming down the lane, who ended with 26 points. Zubak was doing things. Jackson was doing things. Patrick Beverly took a cheap shot out of Devin Booker, busted his nose. Busted uh, Booker's nose. Um, that's what I was referring to. And you just saw shot for shot, shot for shot being taken. Karen Payne had a career night. A game that would ever be immortalized for him. Because he scored 29 points in 9 assists in 37 minutes. He was the top scorer for both teams. On both sides, he was the top scorer. For the Phoenix Suns, he was the top scorer. For the Clippers, he was the top scorer, right? He had a legendary game. He, not a legendary. He had a great game. I don't know why I keep using the word legendary. Ever since Booker was called Devin B. Legendary Booker, that is just, yeah, it's just been sticking. But I'm telling you, I, I know I hate Cameron Payne. I know I've said uh, negative things about him, but... I'm not changing my stance. It made me line up a little bit. But what but what I talked about in my exclusive article about what the Suns need to do with our Chris Paul. Because I did this on Sunday, this past Sunday, right? When you have Chris Paul for game two or game one, whoever needed. Cameron Payne needed to step up when he did. The guy stepped up huge. He said, okay, these players aren't working well. Devin Booker had an off night. DeAndre Ayn was trying behind. I don't care if the gas it. He was making free points. He was hitting mid-range layups. He was doing everything. He looked like Chris Paul out there. Like a mini version of him. Through Chris Paul's training. Guidance. Just working on, working on the guy and whatnot. That is huge. Kramer Payne was lighting up. He kept us in that game. And then... When we were getting down there, Devin Booker was hitting shots. He was feeling it in the clutch. When uh, the Suns were down, Devin Booker hit a shot. Then it happened. Paul George choked on two free throws. We could have sealed the game. 
potential. He choked on both free throws. That's the that's the Paul George that we know. And now allowed for the Valley Oop. So it's a hundred for the hundred two Clippers with point nine seconds remaining, nine tenths of a second remaining. Right. Jay Crowder's on the baseline. He throws it up. As he's throwing it up, Devin Booker comes over, sets a nasty screen right to Ivan Zubak. And De- um and DeAndre and goes up and puts it in. Dunks in the alley oop. Known now as the Valley Oop. It was one of the prettiest things I've ever seen. One of the most stressful things I've ever seen because with a busted nose and all, Devin Booger hits the screen on Zubak. Who could have, if it wasn't for Devin Booger hitting that screen, who who could have blocked that? He was taken care of. DeAndre Ayn got the game winner, threw it down from a beautiful 7-foot pass from the baseline, my ad, by Jay Crowder to get it there, to win the game. And then even after everyone ran on, the refs were calling it goaltending. It couldn't be goaltending. They overturned, they just eliminated that. And the Suns won from choked free throws to the alley-oop that caused the game winner. That was exciting. I never had a moment in my life in the sports world where my heart sank. It went back up. Tense, stressed, but somehow it came from the clutch. That may make no sense, but that was what was running through my mind. I'm like, it's going to Devin Booker. It's going to Devin Booker. No, Devin Booker hit the screen, even with a busted up nose. And that allowed DeAndre Ayn to be what we saw the number one overall pick was going to do and lay it down and win games. Instead of losing at home, we won at home, and now tonight, 6 p.m. in L.A., we're going to be fighting against the Clippers to go 3-0, to keep our 9-win streak intact, to advance it to 10. And I'm, I'm not surprised no one's talking about that. I'm surprised no one's talking about that. Like, come on, the Phoenix have not been relevant in a decade, and we're not talking about that? We're not realizing that? We need to wake up. We need to. We just need to smell what, what the Suns are cooking. We need to wake up and say, "Whoa, Devin Booker, just put on a forty-point triple-double game in Game One. He just Cameron Payne and DeAndre Ayn dominated that game. They defeated the old ragged out, uh, faded LeBron James in his Clipper team." Out of the postseason round one, they swept the Nuggets in the defending MVP, um, in the MVP known as Jokic, the Joker. Like, wake up! Ever since we went down two to one to the Lakers, we've been on a nine-game winning streak. That's insane. The Suns can say we were a nobody in a decade, but now we're a fierce. Red Hot team who beat out LeBron James, who beat out an MVP team by sweeping them, and now we're going to be beating the other LA team. And if I'm the Clippers, I'm scared. Because, sure, there could be some COVID fatigue, some stamina issues for Chris Paul. But rest assured, to anybody has any doubts, Chris Paul may not have to score as much 
and maybe up to campaign as a point guard. But his passes will be on point. And you can bank that. Because here's the thing. Chris Paul has had tremendous rest with COVID, with our COVID beginning, but then with COVID and the rest. But now the Suns have proven at home, and I get it, people are saying it's not as serious till a home team loses. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. The Suns could have choked both games away, could have lost both games. But they hung on, thanks to Devin Booker, thanks to Jay Crowder, thanks to Payne, Aiden, everyone. It was a team victory. Without Chris Paul, we, we, didn't, we weren't phased. Sure, we had issues. Sure, we had bumps in the road. Everybody does, correct? But the thing to glorify the most is how we rose through those challenges. Legit, we rose through. Like, no Chris Paul? We're going to attack them for not having... Kawhi Leonard, and we're the better team. Statistically, roster lineups, rotations, head coaching, coaching staffs, front office, you name it. We're just a better team. We have better fans. And that's not me being biased, but you're telling me Devin Booker's not better than Paul George? You're telling me Marcus Morris Sr. is is better than Chris Paul? No way. No way. Not in a million years. Not Reggie Jackson. Not no one. Because when the going gets tough, we get tougher. We get more aggressive. And we get better um, basketball. Locked in. Focused. Draining shots. Setting. Opening the floor. Setting up good shots for our teammates. That's what we do. We, we no longer play selfish ball. When you see DeAndre Ainge saying... You know what? It's no longer about me. Look what Jay Crowder did. That was an amazing pass. Look at the sacrifice Devin Booker made on that pick with a busted up nose. When you start realizing that these players are just saying, it's for the team. It's no longer for us. It's for the team. It's for the team. It's for the team. Not for I. It's not for I. That's a huge deal. That tells me what kind of impact mentally um, Chris Paul and was had. Because when DeAndre Ayn came in to league originally in 2018, he was going to press conferences all excited, all pumped up for himself after getting like a, a, like a double-double and whatnot. But now he's more matured and refined and saying, it's about the team. It's not about me. Even Devin Booker says that. Devin Booker has not once complained this season. Excuse me, this season or any season. He's been with the Suns. That shows the level of maturity we have in this team. We're in the, we're in the Western Conference Finals. That's a significant deal. But no one's talking about that way. And if I'm the Clippers, I have to be scared to death. Devin Booker is going to put you in your death sentence. There he is. He's going to shut that door. He's going to open the coffin, drop the LA team, both LA teams in that coffin, shut the door, go right to the NBA Finals. But here's the thing. Before we talk about the NBA Finals, we need to get through game free. Because it's not over until home team loses because the Clippers have been down 2-0 before. 
with or without Kawhi Leonard. Both times with Kawhi Leonard until his recent knee sprain injury. And if it was to me, or if it was up to any doctor who's trying to hold back optimism or trying to show it, Kawhi's done. He's not going to be able to return. Maybe to the NBA Finals if they advance, but never count out the Clippers because the Clippers at home have a chance to regain momentum or at least some confidence. Because in every series they've been in this uh, this postseason, they have been down against the Mavericks. They won. Clip joint won. And then against, uh, oh, who was it? Dan, was it? Was it? I don't know. No, 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 no. Don't fail me now. Oh, against the Jazz. They won. They won. They won. So I'm not going to roll them out. I'm never going to roll them out because that will be stupid for me to do that. It will be arrogant for me to do that. And I can't do that. Until I see Phoenix win tonight, I'm calling it. I'm calling it over. I'm pulling the plug. If Phoenix wins tonight, which I'm hoping, which I'm praying, which I want to see – where I'm begging on my hands and knees for us just to pull out one more good game. We're not being gassed down. Where everybody can stay focused. Where Chris Paul can stay healthy, like healthy without fatigue. Where he's able to just survive 20, 30, 40 minutes. Right? And he's able to stay. And we're just able to go. Right? And we just can't give it any more. I don't care if we have to go to overtimes for this. I just want us to get the win. I don't care if we need to pull up another valley oop. I just want to win. Everybody does. And here's the thing. We have no... I have confidence in this team that we have no fear heading into the... um, Heading into this series in L.A. Why? Because Devin Booker's been in L.A. once. And he had to face... Uh, LeBron James and the Lakers, the Lake Show, Matt Johnson's, Kobe Bryant's team, and LeBron's trying to fill it, but he can't, right? But still, you had to go face LeBron. You had to go face the Lakers in LA, in the Staples Center, where the nerves were high, where Kobe Bryant used to be at, where Devin Booker had to be coming over all over that, had to overcome all of that. This is his time. They're not going to be faced by coming in L.A. They're going to take it by the throw win. They're going to attack him hard. They're going to attack him consistently. And they're going to pull up our schemes, plays, and need to draw anything to win these games. Legit. But that's my feeling on it. I'm taking Suns game free. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm excited. The value... Tuesday night got me excited. I was there to see the second half. It was just, it was just amazing. Man, oh man, what do we have here? This is the Phoenix Suns, who has not been to a Western Conference Finals in over a decade. We need to be talking about this. This is significant. This is significant. And if you want to talk about significance. Let's move on to the Bucks and Hawks. I've never liked the Hawks. I think they're an overrated team. But, but my friends, they're proving something. The Bucks are now proving 
that with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis, P.J. Tucker, whoever, uh, Lopez, just those name as five players, that are getting somewhere, that the, um, that the Bucks are actually managing to make it to the Western Conference Finals. Now you could say, well, they just beat it out an uh, injured, bruised, and battered uh, Nets team with injured uh, James Harden and uh, definitely out ankle sprain and all Kyrie Irving and a huge fatigued uh, monster in Kevin, Kevin uh, Durant, right? But give props to this team when it is due. Right? I'm I'm never gonna I'm never gonna take away from what they do. I just I just think they got too lucky. But here's the thing, put that all beside. The last game the Hawks showed that they were better than the Bucks because Trey Young went off for forty eight points and eleven assists. Uh Clint Capella's underrated. He's under. He's one of the most underrated players in the league. Again, getting a double double, nineteen points and twelve. I mean, nineteen rebounds and twelve points. Come on, I don't see many big guys doing that consistently. In the pause or in the regular season, I'm just saying, he's he's getting a double double or close to every single game. It's not even close. He averages. 15 points and 14 rebounds per day, per game, postseason and offseason, right? John Collins is also underrated. He scored 23 points and 15 rebounds. This team, when all together, is collectively dangerous. Trey Young's the head of the ship. Clint Capella is the bat. Uh, 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 Clint Capella and John Collins are the backside of the ship, defending and reigning and dominating. And then you have Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich, Gallinari to some extent, doing what they do, just shooting, playing good offense, playing good ball. It, it, it's showing. The Hawks are showing under Naaman Millen, not Oli Pierce, that they were winning games. That to me is significant. The Hawks are showing that with with Trey Young, with this young team of theirs, with a former, soon hope to be head coach, naming Mellon, could be going to the NBA Finals if they win the next three games. They picked up a one sixteen to one thirteen. Win. I'm just saying, he took this team to a 27-11 win streak. I mean, 27-11 record when Lloyd Pierce was finally kicked off that team, fired because he doesn't know how to run a team. Right? This is this is this is really really interesting. This is this is really fun. I want the Hawks to win. I'm taking Hawks to be the in the NBA Finals. I want them to. I think it'll be fun to have Trey Young against Devin Booker. And I'm just going to leave that at that because I'm more hyped up for the Suns right now. But congrats to Trey Young. This team with Naaman Millen, they're on fire. They can't be stopped. They got to keep using that momentum. 
Yas is fading in this game. Chris Middleton has missed the game time free. They're just running out of options, and the Hawks are going to overpower them. But that is all I got to say. Tomorrow night, tomorrow night, 6 40 p.m., I believe, as when the Bucks and Hawks are going to be playing. Tonight we have the Sun to 6 p.m., so do not miss that. This is going to be fun. This is going to be interesting. We're going to come back to you guys tomorrow. Then we're going to do a special one on Saturday, maybe one on Sunday. Because this is just too fiery, not the mess. Bold predictions have been made. Speculations have been heard. Um, winnings, streaks, money, head coach, um, opportunities, everything has been given, has been heard, and is being publicized right here, right now. See you guys for listening. We'll see you on the next podcast episode.